Hello and welcome to the Daily Lawyer podcast. My name is Jana Krishnan. I am your host and the founder of the Daily Lawyer. And uh, today's episode is in conjunction with the International Legal Alliance or ILA. ILA is a network of independent legal professionals from across the world. There are uh, legal professionals from over 150 countries as part of ILA. And on the podcast, we periodically feature uh, members of the ILA uh, to talk about their journeys in the law and then you know, all of the other things that they want to speak. And today I have a very senior lawyer with me. I have uh, Mr. Suhas Tulzapurkar, who is the founder uh, and managing partner of Legacy Partners. He's also the founder and non-executive director of Legacy Services Private Limited, which is uh, which provides legal technology technology and ancillary legal services uh, to the industry as a whole. I've had some incredible people on the podcast in the past, but there are very few people I've met who've had a bio as long as Mr. Tulsa Pukar's bio. So it's going to take me a, an entire podcast just to read his bio. But if I have to shorten it, he was a general counsel, which means he was leading the legal operations in MNCs and big corporations. And then he transitioned into a full-time uh, legal career where he was uh, did, he did uh, he did or he continues to do everything from litigation to mergers and acquisitions to joint ventures to private equity funding infrastructure projects he's part of so many associations including the UN Global Compact Committee the ILA and the Bombay Bar and, and so many others I'm so excited to get into this conversation because we are going to be speaking to Mr. Tulzapurkar not just about his legal career but also about legal technology and all the other ancillary services uh, that can be provided or that is being leveraged within the legal industry today. So, uh, Mr. Tulzapukar, welcome to the Daily Lawyer Podcast. Okay, thank you very much, Jena. What uh, my personal request would be, let's switch on to the first name basis. That's that's okay. much better. And I think okay. we all, uh, you know, legal professionals, colleagues, and more importantly, I think that makes it so much easier and simpler to... Okay, all right. So now that we've, I've, I've not really taken people through your uh, journey because it is such a long and diverse journey. So in your words, how would you, you know, can you take everybody back to, first of all, why did you choose to become a lawyer and what has been your journey so far? Oh yeah, thank you. Uh, very interestingly, I'm like an accidental lawyer. Okay, it's, it's a long story, but I'll try and uh, summarize this. See, what happened was, I was a very passionate about management and post my graduation, I, I, I come from Aurangabad. So we moved to Pune to do post graduation in management and I had no place to stay in. It's at that point in time, somebody recommended that ILS Law College has a very good hostel and you can get it. It's not very expensive. And I think that's why I took admission into ILS Law College. I was doing my MBA from IMDR and at that point in time, Principal Sheshwalkar's IMDR was far, far, you know, highly rated institute associated with one of the universities from the US. And I could then do uh, law as well as MB. So I've, I got into IRS Law College because the hostel was good. And then it so happened that when we were finally at the floor, 84, 85, I think in 84, Bhopal gas tragedy happened. And I worked extensively in the rehabilitation camps initially and subsequently worked uh, in Bhopal to try and find out you know, what would be the liability of Union Carbide Corporation in true sense. So we, I, I had a graduation in statistics, so I applied some statistical formula. I looked at, uh, you know, talked to some medical professionals and looked at how does degree of disability 
and intensity of affliction of gas leads to quantifiable compensation which report was actually accepted globally you know us medical association ema from london all of them recognize our efforts and i'm just a student passing out of law at that point in time and i think when you get that kind of recognition i thought maybe as an individual you can impact far better and deeper impact is possible as an individual professional if i choose law as a career so while i had got a couple of on campus uh, job offerings from mba i got one offering from one ngo which which was extensively promising to work on bhopal gas tragedy and i just left it up uh, since then uh, i've been into legal career so started off by saying sorry i don't have a place to stay in pune can i get a cheaper place gone into law that's fabulous i love how you know so many if i have to say 9 out of 10 guests on the podcast especially lawyers say that they are accidental lawyers or they chose law by the process of elimination very few of us have come into law, me included i also chose law by the process of elimination uh, i think very few of us have come to law with like a very i, I think things are different today but possibly uh, most people at least on the podcast have, have chosen law by the process of elimination but we are very happy now that they have, we have we've chosen this we're very happy um you know one of the things that i that struck me i was going through a linkedin was that you call yourself a global uh, lawyer uh, not 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 a global i a global lawyer yeah. or a global lawyer uh, so what does that mean i've never heard that phrase i'm presuming you come up with that phrase uh, there's a little bit of lessons to it in your uh, linkedin itself but can you tell everybody uh, what does that mean because i think that ties in beautifully to what you do in your uh, career today see what happened is uh, you know during uh, during the phase 1991 as an in-house lawyer working with a company like Carmax we got opportunities to you know structure deals work with global lawyers and realize that we can contribute to the development of it and i think after that it so happened that when i was working with enron i think there were almost about 48 law firms global law firms stock most of the law firms who were involved in that project either from lender side or from project side and i think interacting with them i realized while the globalization was happening and therefore the local jurisdictional knowledge and the global outlook into law is very critical just to give you an example i think uh, what happened was i i i i drafted a slp for while i was working with enron and i can take enron's name because it's Oh, sorry, I'm going to cut you because you have to say to explain because there are audience in the audience. We have people who are not lawyers. Okay. So when we see SLP, it's a specially petition that directly takes you to the Supreme Court. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So I was I was drafting a special new petition against an order from a high court, and I think I I took time about a week to draft that petition. Uh, you know, looking at my experiences, I think I I. I thought I did a very good job out of it, and uh, I kind of circulated it across the lawyers. It's at that point in time a very very senior partner from Linklater's flew into India, and he explained to me to say that you drafted this from the point of view of Supreme Court of India, 
and how the judges are going to read your petition look at it and the contents are structured in that manner but he said look at the stakeholders that are going to read this document including those 40 odd global law firms and that is also your stakeholder and an audience those are your clients and you need to make sure that your client understands it first and then it's possible that you go across to the court because improving that quality to address the global benchmark legal delivery is as important as understanding the local law and jurisdictional aspect of whatever you do in law so i think that was a lesson learned for me and from there onwards actually i tried to maintain the quality of all the deliverables that that go out of our desk to say that you know while i have to understand who the stakeholders are uh, i know for example the judicial system when you when you talk about indian judiciary i think because of the paucity of time and various other reasons you know they may not be able to appreciate the kind of quality but the clients are going to be and global clients definitely will sit up and take recognition of this so that's where this globalization doubted into local practice and especially when you talk about law i mean everybody knows that it's the local jurisdictional legal elements that are very very critical while you look at a global outlook so you take any any of the legal field today which is the corporate legal field today you will realize that few of the laws have come in most of the critical laws have come in by virtue of our treaty obligations at a global level they're moving towards uh, taking a legislative initiative to a different level where i believe for example in taxation i think the world looks at indian legislations as benchmark that needs to be followed because one we've got this as newer regulations so we've kind of learned a lot from across the globe but from the qualitative aspect perspective whatever we do need to be kind of localized so to speak and that's why i say that my experience i believe is kind of a this experience makes me understand what's happening at a global level and then being on the top of that as well as making sure that the jurisdictional elements are critically uh, inputted in what it is you so that's why no, this is a very interesting uh, way of looking at it because we think we think of globalizing in the sense taking india to the world or you know taking here we are like okay we have to take or, or you know adopting the world practices here here you having a nice marriage of the two where you're saying okay you need to adopt world practices uh but then at the same time i need to do it in a way that fits into uh, what is available what what is the all, what the, what is the world in india i had a similar experience uh, as you when when you spoke about the linklater's partner i had a similar experience where a peace council in england actually threw the draft that we had drafted and then proceeded to redraft it all in front of us with, and you know that was really a wake up call because our language is a bit pedantic and and a lot in passive voice and you know there's a lot of repetition because we believe i don't know for what reason we have to rep- repeat and then we just if we had a 32 page draft it became 12 pages and it was so crisp so there's a lot of unlearning in that yeah. but uh, it's, it's it's a lesson well learned and that is uh, the only reason why i'm highlighting this one more time here is because i think our audience has a lot of young lawyers law students who are listening in or even mature lawyers who are listening in and i think we are all well served to uh, to 
look at our you know other way we are doing our work and see whether we can improve much like what you did uh you know you you took a few elements that is required and then you sort of rejig what you're doing so it's wonderful to uh, to see that um sorry sorry on this topic i just add one other thing which is to say that whenever we discussed at a at a global forum and talk to global lawyers and officers you see one thing that stands out from indian lawyers is they're saying okay indian lawyers don't lack in brilliance in coming to the conclusion but consistency in the quality is always a question mark so that's another kind of a fundamental at a global level that we need to realize we are brilliant okay we if we are challenged as as i mean all indian lawyers when you challenge them you know they they come out brilliant but to maintain that tempo that quality as a matter of routine and consistently delivering that quality is where the world looks at us different what what do you think why do you think that is cool like why do what do you think we lack quality because if there's stuff why is the consistency not there what do you think so it's it's like when we are challenged you see we deliver okay but on the routine matters okay i think the lawyers especially uh, most of the lawyers tend to ignore the routine getting perfected you see because it's considered to be an and a very intellectual profession so to speak uh, yeah. i mean it is more like saying that there's always intellectually challenging issues when you talk about legal profession and you want to excel yeah. there uh, Yeah. consistently getting your quality benchmarked at that level is difficult secondly our legal education in india does not mm. follow what globally is called as iraq principle you know so the reasoning application of mind uh, understanding the facts the facts being applied to rule of law and then coming to the conclusion is a matter of process see yeah. we are saddled with so many matters on in a day we are saddled with huge backlog of cases uh, you know so the volume actually drives us to say that we will come to the conclusion straight away and deal with the matter i think i think that is another kind of a, a reason why you don't find consistency in the quality of what we deliver at a global level yeah i hear you because i think if we processize a lot of things Correct. today we don't have we don't work, and i know what you mean when you say that we don't work we don't always work with process we don't that not to say that everybody does it but mostly we don't always work with process we get excited when we have a challenge and then you know you give your all to that matter but then you know when there's something that you've done like 50 50 times or something you're like okay whatever so i know what, i know i know what to do um i'm very interested in knowing about uh, what the legacy services private limited has because when it comes to legal serv- ancillary legal services technology in law how you can leverage technology in law uh, and how you can give a better output to clients and, and generally the uh, the world in general i think that is one field that i don't know much about and we haven't had too many people come and speak about that so uh, if you can just take, take us through what us what does that arm do and what how do you think technology can be leveraged in the law yeah so uh, what happened and how this got developed is it was again you know somewhere in 86 87 that i was working with this not for profit organization yeah that's that's 
pretty early huh? that's very early and yeah. there you see i i i had a diploma in computer management as well so i had learned what that time was popular as a d based language of, of you know putting some code together and creating a database so there were about 400 on uh, environmental cases as precedents coming from uh, supreme court so i played around with my knowledge on the on the database and created a searchable uh, database uh, of those 400 odd cases okay and at that point in time i was interacting with various legal luminaries including dr upendra bakshi who we had interacted you see and he liked the idea of saying that oh this is easily available we can do the searches far better because that time even online searches were not available and computers only were not there so forget the internet and all of that yeah. so that that was at the back of my mind all through my career so when we started gases earlier it was known as the gases services private limited we now are focusing on giving solutions to the client so it's legacies private limited now focusing on systems and integrated solution so when i found the legacies i think i realized that the technology can play a pivotal we started off by saying can we offer at a global level lpo kind of services as the process outsourcing at the back office because at that point in time there were some reports from ascom and other agencies talking about how the future of legal process outsourcing is and based on whatever my experiences with enron and during that period while de- dealing with ge vectel all of that uh, i realized that there is possibility of using technology and we developed a software under the guidance and aegis of one dr desai okay dr desai actually is the person who was 1974 post graduate in computer sciences in germany he was visionary in fact he he taught uh, computers to to the names that are today known as remarkable names in the computer industry in the software industry uh, he his students kind of created shiva soft went and doubted into microsoft eventually so he was he was guru actually and I, and i worked with him in developing a software solution that would simplify a complex legal proposition and tell the junior most of the associates what to do once that comes in you control the quality and you actually control the delivery and that was the Correct. job tracking tool and the software that we created come 2008 lpos were not going anywhere i was lucky to understand this too early in the process and we said why can't we develop software for supporting legal functions and for supporting the gcs not really going across to the practicing lawyers uh, but focusing on the gc function and that's where we came out with what could be the areas which will have a global appeal which will again be required under local laws and which where the repetitive knowledge can be reused to ensure that you don't pay high prices to somebody but that's how the software that we had developed as a job tracking tool for inaus function we we kind of converted into a solution for the clients and we looked at what the areas would be and we had the challenges coming from uh, like like for example mrs anwarga mentioned to me once saying that i don't want to pay a single rupee bribe to anybody in my ecosystem 
if several listing obligations tell us that we need to be compliant with all laws i want to comply with all laws and i think that's where the compliance management solution it's something that we developed in house on the it side as well as the domain side so that's where i think we we had some very very marky clients who supported us during this period to say that okay you should learn from every client and we learned and we kind of created legatrix as the solution legatrix today is being used by almost about 2500 companies in india uh, it can solve 24% of bsc market cap on the listed entities where the companies rely on compliance with all laws and i think we have been to look back we developed almost about 16 other solutions today this litigation management this contract management solution we do performance evaluation through software solutions so there are there are almost about 16 solutions include management of intellectual properties capture of innovation all of that and i think uh, since 2008 till now it's been an interesting journey uh, that we got i'm lucky to have excellent team that translates the vision and executes it in coming out with a solution uh, the last or the latest solution that we kind of created was related party transaction solution one of our clients came back and said we are struggling on the related parties and we knew we were tracking these laws as updates so we knew the challenge so we looked around across we said if there is already some solution why should we replicate we do that but we didn't find any solution so within a matter of almost 4 weeks we came out with a solution on related party transaction still it's the only one kind of a solution that's available in india today and i think we are gaining a lot of grounds on supporting clients on uh, the very critical what what that was we can do when it comes to related party transactions because we do have a lot of business owners as our listeners who are who are small business owners so often they have uh related parties as you know directors or completely innocently so what does the solution do it actually looks at let's understand who are the related parties in your first thing is creating that repository if you look at relatives as defined under the companies act i think there is there is a mess there okay plus each of those directors and kmps where they are partners where they are directors common directors all of them so it creates first the repository of all related party transactions and in this we use technology to pick up the data from mbp1 where every year you will have to disclose the interest every director has to disclose the interest then we cross check with some other parameters which are available in the public domain information to give confidence to the client that all relatives and all related parties are captured in the process and then we look at the thresholds to say like you know learning again from from the law firm um, whatever we do when when a conflict check comes in so we say okay if these are contracts where the threshold is getting breached okay we'll send a conflict check across all related parties to understand whether the prior approval is required or not then we broke down the law in terms of micro level tasks like what are the thresholds i mean if you are saying that it's a it's a arms length transaction during the normal course of the business of the company then it goes only up to the audit committee which is a recording element there is no further approvals required 
and but the reporting has to happen at the audit committee level. So we broke down the law, created the task, created the workflow to the extent today that related party transaction, the first draft of the disclosure that you want to make is automated in the system. In the process, we integrated through APIs, we integrated SAP and other ERP solutions and actually pick up a data from SAP itself. So manually, there is, there is very little that somebody has to do because... This sounds like a very good solution for small businesses, uh, smaller sort of micro, mid-sized businesses because they often don't know they, without realizing, you know, they may be in contravention to the law. Uh, is this, you know, in terms of uh, affordability or some, is this something that can be targeted towards small and micro uh, business levels? See, currently, you know, what happens is the threshold for, for related party transactions is 10 crore and above. The small and medium businesses do not have this quite often coming. Although when it comes to directors and the, and the kind of common directors and related parties of directors, threshold is 1 crore, director and PMP. But at the organizational level, since the thresholds are this 10 crore and plus, I think large companies where the transactions are, multiple, multiple yeah. transactions that they have to tackle, including if you've taken an omnibus approval, you know, whether the omnibus limits are exhausting, not exhausting, automated alerts come from our system, etc. So I think the by, by, by its design, the law today caters to 10 crore or 1 crore as threshold. Small and medium may not require this as related parties, but I think therefore it's not a need for them because maybe there are one or two transactions when they're talking about SMEs or small and medium companies or mid cap as well, but those are not, there are few transactions for them to. Can be handled uh, with the current way that they are handled with the CEO and so on. Okay, lovely. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about uh, generally leveraging you know, AI because spoke a lot about leveraging uh, technology and all of the questions that I wanted to ask you around that. I think you, you sort of answered it quite beautifully with your examples. But uh, but while you were talking, I was, I was thinking about AI because you're so forward thinking when it comes to technology. I'm sure you have managed or uh, you've thought about and you know how AI will in, uh, influence law because there's so much of confusion, so much of fear. People will lose their jobs. Uh, AI will start drafting, ask chat GPT to draft your contracts, don't go to a lawyer and so on. So, Sorry, I, I, so yeah, but what do you have to say about that? Okay, so you see, the first thing is that, uh, you know, let's put, let's put the steps moving towards AI correctly. Okay. Now, when we have database, today we have 3,75,000 tasks under 1,700 laws that apply to the business on compliance side. Okay. We are working at a data level when I talk the data. Right. We need to move to the next level, which is information. From data, move to information. And what is that information? So for a particular business, if I'm in the aviation sector, what are the laws that would apply to me out of this database is relevant for me? So the applicability analysis for moving from data to information based on the repetitive nature of the data it's something which the technology can do. And today, the, the structure of database that we have at the back end is such that if you tell me I'm into aviation business, at the click of buttons, maybe a couple of clicks there, 
we will be able to give you exact list of what you need to compliance if you are in aviation that's moving from data to information from information today we need to move to knowledge level it's fine that you know now what is the compliance information that is that is applicable to you but why should you be complying you know the understanding of that knowledge today is important okay so and, and therefore where does the lawyering come in where does the core uh, lawyer's function come in is application of that knowledge to a given facts and circumstances and that application is where we all need to go. we need to work as lawyers at the knowledge application level so the searches will happen it is simple service level architecture that will give you these results uh, you don't people talk about even service level architecture they talk about it as ai which is fine don't quarrel with that but in true sense it's not artificial intelligence so what we really need to understand is what's happening in the generative artificial intelligence today the chat gpt 4s and 5 is being in the anvil what has happened till now how the progression has taken place let's understand that okay ai all ais are weak including i would say the generative ais are very weak ais they are not very strong ones what is an artificial intelligence if somebody were to kind of look at the theory part of it it should be an intelligence that helps you in decision making and here when we apply it to the legal profession are we saying that the legal deliveries and its outcome will be better will be faster will be cheaper i think that is the eventual frontier and the goal there whether you talk about online mediation whether you talk about online dispute resolution online courts happening is it having a video call and and doing a you know digital hearing is 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 matter of communication and delivery of communication where does the technology need to take you is actually are you then saying that the justice delivery system is effective becomes more effective more qualitative and it's affordable i think now where we are and where this objective in in so far as profession is concerned if we were to look at that then i would say in the short term generative ai is is blown out of the proportion okay in a sense sorry sorry are uh, you think it is overestimated it's overstated i won't say estimated i would say it's overstated in the short term mm. in the long run it is understated mm. and i'll tell you why because the speed with which developments are happening at 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 various levels for example we are trying to develop a, a kind of a link link with generative ai to make sure that you know prompts are properly done in fact there is a, there is a course now on prompts engineering which is really trying yeah yeah engineering so we will see yeah. that can we therefore use this like us i'm sure there are hundreds and thousands and lakhs of people today are saying that we need to use generative ai for various purposes so if you if, if, if i were to 
second guess based on some global data that is available. They are saying it is 30 lakh times faster development on the technology today that's happening on the generative AI. Now, somebody can challenge it, but I think what is important message is that it's a staggering uh, speed yeah. with which this yeah. So what I'm seeing is in terms of it being short-stated in the long run, that long run could become short run very soon. So that's development is happening. You see, therefore, what as a professional lawyer, you can't ignore these developments today. You will be sad. There are no barriers like like the language is not a barrier for this technology. Like your your language and your English grammar is not barrier for it it will correct your grammar it will give you drafts which are which are far better drafts how yeah. we use it is important one keep in mind got to use this as a knowledge application that's where the profession needs to go not merely data research not merely copy paste that's not going to work out so you are, what we are seeing is that the days of copy paste will get over very soon because generative ai would probably sit in 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 your word document. Yeah. Okay. That's where I think uh, like yeah. that 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 doesn't seem very far away. No, it's not. The developments are happening yeah. in that direction. Therefore, yeah. as a lawyer, if this is part of the world, where do you move and where do you give insights as a profession? And that's where I would say you will still have to look at can you then reduce uh, the cost of legal profession can you make it more affordable can you make it more outcome based from a client's perspective and more importantly can we look at a consistent quality in this process from now till going there as the outcome based solutions we need to get ethics and regulatory aspects, right? So there's a lot of work yeah. that's happening on the ethical front. Yeah, really a conversation by itself because while you still have so many more questions uh, and tangents that I'd like to discuss uh, this, this particular conversation in, but unfortunately we have limited time. So, um, and and this is an episode with in co- in collaboration with ILA. So I do want to, uh, want you to speak a little bit about ILA as well. Uh, what what has your experience been? What do you think of ILA? How has it sort of benefited you? Uh, what do you have to say about that? So, the, you see, ILA is a completely different kind of network. I have been associated with, with various professionals. And ILA stands out on various fronts. One, there is no individual or group agenda there except saying, as a professional, we need to exchange notes, gain more knowledge, and become more aware of what's happening. I think that on that score, I think this network scores much, much better than most of the networks because most of the networks are geared up to say that, can I look at this network and leverage it for getting more work out of that? Uh, although I don't, I don't call this as business, but it's a profession. But can I then? But I let doesn't focus on that. Same time, you see, if I'm struggling, if I'm struggling to get a reference for a lawyer in Bhuneshwar, 
all i need to do is post couple of lines to say i need somebody there and through referencing yeah. the lawyer that you will get in these places or any place where you don't know anybody you will be far far better better lawyer and far far better reference the third i mean and and i think we've been experiencing this you've been part of the network and you have realized for example i i i don't have a precedent of something you know i don't have a precedent of a co-production agreement in a in a marketing space uh, i just have to say it on the file network saying do you have has somebody worked on this can somebody guide me i think you will get about half a dozen dms out of private messages so no yeah true and and therefore is driven by this for the yeah there's no other to say that as a profession we need to enrich ourselves so i think yeah. from that perspective it stands out of course almost every one of us there including you we are like minded people okay because those who are looking at network as to you know develop their profession get more money and everything are not part of that network they can't they can't be there uh, they generally yeah. don't want to be and they they're not there okay yeah. it's it's simply amazing how this has been set up thanks to mr chet this initiative i think it's 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 it is phenomenal yeah i i have nothing more to add because you said it so beautifully uh but just one last question to close out this chapter and i asked the, the last section uh, you because you had so much of global exposure and this is something i really like to ask all the guests who come in this because you have had so much global exposure you have the of uh, you know the shortcomings in our profession in in our country like the indian legal profession and then the good thing so how what would you say are some of the advantages of our profession and some of the things that we can improve on each one of us in our own way uh can contribute to that maybe but what are some of the things if you have to list it down you see so actually what's what's likely to happen is that i have there more of a globalization more of a borderless issues that are coming up Uh, just take gdpr as an example i think the data privacy regulation that started up in the europe i mean each of the jurisdiction is now catching up including india which is come out it's got dpr the data privacy act uh, has been modified now uh, so it's 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 understanding that at a global level and how the world moves in is very important for every lawyer i may be practicing in a taluka court today uh, but i think the presidential value of the judgments coming from supreme court which in turn may be influenced by foreign judgments is because we have adopted stare decisis as a principle you know it's very important for us to understand many times it does happen that when you're trying to find out uh, you know legal contentions when you're trying to find out the grounds when you're trying to look at how the arguments and counter arguments need to shape up many a times your fact may be similar or closer to fact of the case that might have taken place in gaza or in africa and you don't find similar factual cases here but this is where i think the law or the application of laws and principles of law become borderless you look at professions such as intellectual property when you are saying that whether Uh, my trademark is similar to anyone else you're not only looking at indian trademark registry you're actually seeing is there anything 
where somebody has come out with because you know cross border reputation of a trademark with the registered register is recognized and therefore there could be a passing of action against you so you got to yeah. understand at global level what's happening whether it is patent whether it is newer legislation such as data privacy or tax and fiscal legislation that are coming so it's very very important for every lawyer who, who wants to be successful to understand the global pattern and i think that's where i would say that it's, it's essential for all of us for all legal professionals to have that knowledge then you can apply that yeah i hear you so essentially uh you know we we look a little above ourselves and then look around learn and then continue to apply uh you know i like your word globalization so we should thank you, you know, we should like so this is the end of the uh, you know the legal legal part of the podcast the last part of the podcast is something i do for myself because i just love listening to the answers so it's called 5 4 3 2 1 i five or something four or something three or something like that so uh, to start with can you give us five productivity tips because you do so many things i'm sure you have these so five productivity tips it could be apps because you are so tech savvy it could be apps it could be anything whatever you use so productivity tips is uh, tips i would say is that you see time management is the most critical element in our profession and how do you manage your time uh, is something that is very very important and therefore how do you delegate is it you see and, and, and i think most of the time i have i have sensed and realized you know quite a few lawyers are very fastidious about uh, not delegating and i think that's one thing that we need to learn if we were to look at productivity editing because that's an area where it's it's, it's important that you free up time to do your core activities and what you like the second area is of course use of technology and uh, you know various switcher there but more importantly understanding for what use you are going to use the technology in a sense what is the end use you want to do a research probably yes it's good thing to you want to draft pleadings probably it's a good guidance to get but if you are saying like most of the people now are thinking that you know generative ai will draft pleadings for them it's not going to happen okay you need to understand what and how you want to use the generative ai you see therefore use of technology is again a very very important the third thing is that and i think you need to take short breaks you need to look at the short vacations you need to look at extended weekends because balancing your thought process or continuously if you are thinking uh, about anything and everything it becomes very very and the fifth element i would say which i personally follow and i would and i get up at about 334 in the morning and work for uh work for about an hour, hour and a half or two hours depending on how critical the work is because otherwise during the day you don't get time to work for yourself whether it is you know analyzing a document whether it is doing your own research whether it is actually saying that i need to be aware i need to do some reading or deliver my own uh, you know technical deliveries uh, because through the day what tends to happen is that you'll get phone calls clients will keep calling up uh, there will be your juniors who want your time and you're always stressed you don't get focused time for yourself so 
what is known as brahma murt the early morning kind of a time is very i'll just going to say that you're like you utilizing brahma murt properly my husband is like you he wakes up very early but uh, we are all not in that category i, I see the advantage actually because i've seen it you know i see it every day uh, so so i i, I know one day we will be like <laughs> never asked <laughs> yeah, I, mean, i know quite a few of the lawyers who work late at us yeah same thing Yeah, just go, you just stay out class by yourself. Just go. I mean, yeah. it's just that personally, I can't do that. You know, mm. I can't stay awake beyond let's say ten thirty. Yeah. Unless, of course, there's a transaction where all nighter is required. Then, of course, we fall off the sleep. Yeah, that those are outliers, so those don't factor. But in everyday scenario, okay, few books. Sorry, do you want to say oh, something? Please. Four books that you would uh, recommend. Oh, I think as a lawyer, I was very fascinated during during my college days with a uh, lot of classics. Mm. So, Fyodor Dostoevsky's *Crime and Punishment*, Franz mm. Kafka's uh, *The Trial*, other two books that stand out. You see, of course, oh. *Alchemist* uh, is is another book that and everybody should read it. It's a, it's a yeah, great. yeah. And importantly, I would say that Khalil Gibran's *Prophet*. It's an yeah. all-time favorite. Yeah. What I liked about Gurdjieff's talks is the difficulty of being that's an analysis of life with today's situations and circumstances. It's an amazing book. That's that's yeah. I read it. This is the second time that somebody has recommended this particular book on the podcast, and I haven't read. Uh, I haven't read it, so maybe maybe that will go on my list of to read. Uh, but the rest I agree with all the other four that you said. Uh, okay, three tips that you have for young lawyers or for students. For students, you see one thing that you need to really understand is that the availability of information is 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 all pervasive. you have a deep information available you have data and information at your fingertips so there is a level playing field you got to get your confidence and you got to then move from that information to knowledge so it's available today i think i think lucky that uh, the students are in this age because yeah. in my times I and mean, in mean, older times now i'm almost 60 plus so i, I can say Our times, you know, searching the searching the law was was a skill that each one of us required. I mean, you would look up to it. Mark with yeah. highlight. Go ahead, see. So, of course, uh, I think that was beautiful, also, no, because there was so much you would read and go to the high court library and try and take out. Yeah, volume, not yet. You know, so it was very nice. So it's available now. Yeah. Make the full use of it, because mm. your knowledge level today is as good as anyone else's. So long as you know you have the in-depth understanding and you are you kind of make willing to make that uh, for yourself. Second issue, which is I think there is no substitute to. Yeah. And I think therefore you need to work hard and you need to work hard. You see. Now, whatever you do, you need to be 
working very very hard with sincerity and the last thing i would focus on is passion we try and understand what your niche is try and understand what your passionate area is because if you're not passionate about let's say um, intellectual property law right and you will end up doing criminal laws because you're passionate about ip but focusing there you won't be as successful as you would otherwise be if you work in the area which is your passion and that's where yeah. you can expect to create a niche and i think you need to look at the benchmark of that niche to say that in this element i should be the best and i think that is only possible if you have passions so i would say passion yeah. is very very critical and important yeah lovely i think i loved your first point that's a very unusual point that no one has said this uh, hard work to everybody is that's uh, something that uh, everybody has encouraged students to do uh, two life lessons that you have learned in your life so far in this life oh that's that's tough one <laughs> no, no. you see very clearly uh, that, i mean there is no there is your your mindset your is your biggest problem you see therefore if you try to reach out to somebody in the profession and i must i must tell you this example that experience that i had you know i had briefed mr ramjet madani in a man right and he had taken a retainership this was in ronman okay we worked very closely we strategized various things uh, and it so happened that no post whatever happened with enron i mean everybody knew that you know few of us were not even being paid because vendors had taken over the account and i just uh, bumped into ram sir and i wished him at the airport and he said he took me aside and he said so as i understand that enron hasn't paid salaries to people okay. if this anyway you are into financial stress let me know out of the retainer that enron has given me i'll pay you back how sweet it was such an amazing experience now i mean ram sir was where he was i was i was like a junior guy like but you know therefore i am saying in this profession the profession has given so much back you need to kind of reach out you need to seek help you need to make sure that you know there are no inhibitions and hindrances in your minds because many a times i think uh, whenever and i have experienced this myself and that's where this lessons learning i think okay probably i should do this that and that but i don't reach out to do that because of some reason maybe it's possible your time at times at times it's just your mindset that you know how can i do this and then you find someone else has already done it yeah. then you start repenting saying why did you not do this yeah is it that i think is one of the, one of the very very set big life lessons life lessons the second thing yeah. i'll again give you this example where it so happened that you know, i was advising an engineering company right and you know this was the days when uh, mobile phones were not there emails were not so prominent and there was a there was a problem at a project site in a few years so 
this this project manager and we we had a strategic meeting with his boss or general manager and i think it was decided that all the correspondence would be weighted by legal so it would it would come on my desk for me to verify and this this project manager had gone to at the site to to meet the representatives and he was drawing out minutes of the meeting so he called me up from there to say that i am i'm now forced to give these minutes of the meeting and this is what i'm doing just tell me over the phone whether i'm right or wrong because communication was very hard to period and i guided him i corrected couple of sentences and then i wrote like typical any in-house lawyer would say or even outside counsel say i said just line couple of right couple of lines at the bottom to say that whatever i have stated is without prejudice to our rights and contentions uh, and 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 i said close your close your document right so he did that he was very happy right and he came back and he kind of showed me the document he said this is what i've done you told me i was very happy so whatever i have written on the top you know there is a caveat below so we are protecting our company's right great now when i read the document to everybody's shock and dismay instead of saying with without prejudice he wrote with all the prejudice to our rights and content <laughs> now what do you do is it because of the oh. he understood it to mean with all the with all oh so that oh my god my so communicate okay. yeah ask him to read it again oh, before signing <laughs> Yeah. Get that right. That was a life, yeah. life, life lesson. Yeah, real life lesson. That is good. Oh God, real life lesson. Okay. And final question is: uh, What is the best piece of advice that you have received? Be humble. Okay. Mm-hmm. Be a good human being first, and don't compromise with your profession. If you are saying you are a professional lawyer, your loyalty is to your profession. don't compromise on your profession not sending any conflicts that would come in the way okay you have your loyalty towards your family but if you are professional your loyalty towards profession comes first and i think that would be that's the lesson that i have learned it's wonderful thank you so much it was such a lovely conversation and uh, i have so many other tangential questions so maybe we should do a part 2 only about ai and the law because uh that is one thing i feel we, we really do not scratch the surface so but it was wonderful thank you for your time thanks a lot yes thank let's you. thank you very much thank you Bye.